0: Hello from Denver, Colorado. This is Carrie Norris, Chief Legal Officer at Legal Shield, and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded live from the Legal Shield Elevate Attorney Conference. Joining me now, I have three really special guests. So welcome to the show, Jack Newton, CEO of Clio, Mary Jutton, legal entrepreneur, and Patrick Palace of Palace Law. So kind of just to jump in, we're going to talk about all kinds of things for law firm management, KPIs, and solos and smalls. And uh, before we jump into that, if you would go around, introduce yourselves a little bit, and uh, you know, tell us something we want to know about you.
1: Sure. So I'm Jack Newton. I'm the founder and CEO of Cleo.
2: And that's it. Okay. That's so. all he does. <laughs> so I'm Mary I have
1: three kids. So I can round it out. But, <laughs> you know, happy to go in-depth as needed.
2: So I'm Mary Jetton and uh, I'm both a lawyer and an entrepreneur, and I have a company called Tracklight. And I used to have a company called Evolve Law, but we've evolved on from that. And I've been working with Legal Shield doing consulting with Carrie for a couple of years now. Great. And Patrick.
3: And I'm Patrick Palace, and I'm a, a lawyer who owns a firm called Palace Law. Uh, I was the past president of the Washington State uh, Bar.
0: That's exciting, so we have, uh, all three of you are passionate and excited about legal services and innovation, and Mary's already used the word ev- evolution and data and KPIs, and so I, I, I really just want to facilitate a conversation amongst you, because um, you're the experts. Our listeners are probably familiar with each of you and have heard from all of you uh, in the past, and so I'm just really excited to let them hear a little bit more. So Jack, i want to start with you. Um, and every year, Clio puts out a report that I think everyone in the legal services industry, myself included, reads. If they don't, they should. um, Because it's fantastic insight into the profession, into the services, and more importantly into the clients that we all want uh, to acquire and to serve. So, I know in the most recent report, you guys have talked a little bit about the the divide, so to speak, between what clients want and what lawyers actually do. So, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the really interesting twists that we've put on the report in more recent years where in the the first couple of years we published the Legal Trends report, it was really about data and and performance-related data with respect to how law firms think about their internal performance, things like utilization rate and realization rate and collection rate. And what we've tried to do is really kind of raise the average lawyer's game in terms of understanding what kinds of key performance indicators or KPIs should they be aware of and monitoring within their law firm and you know, we felt like we built a really good foundation over the last or the first two years of the Legal Trends Report, and we asked ourselves, what's next? And and the answer was, we think there could be a really useful set of insights that came through both a consumer survey and a lawyer survey, understanding basically at a foundational level what are some of the some of the gaps between how consumers want to uh, consume legal services and access legal services and how the average lawyer is currently delivering them. And what we found in in this year's study in the 2018 Legal Trends Report is that there is this enormous chasm between how consumers want to consume legal services and the the way that lawyers think that they do. Uh, And and just to give you a simple example of where that, that gap exists, when we talk about reviewing the first, the status of your case, and kind of overviewing some of the foundational aspects of the case, lawyers believe that phone is the best way to have that conversation with a client. And clients show a very strong preference to have that conversation in person. I think they want the comfort that comes from a face-to-face conversation and, you know, the the body language and everything else that goes along with talking with somebody in person that you lose over the the phone. So I think there's these very interesting observations with almost every single one of our questions. There was uh, a massive spread between where lawyers believed uh, consumers want their delivery of legal services to to be and, and the way that lawyers are currently delivering them. So th- the legal transport, in our mind, gives lawyers a bit of a roadmap for if they want to tap into this enormous opportunity. And one of the things I talk a lot about is this idea of a latent legal market, that if, if you can tap into this multi-hundred billion dollar opportunity that's sitting out there below the waterline, if you can figure out how to innovate and how to deliver your legal services in a Slightly different way, maybe package them up in a slightly different way. that unlocks an enormous amount of opportunity for for your law firm to to stand apart from the crowd and deliver legal services in a way that uh, consumers want to consume them and and the legal trends report is a great source of inspiration and, and hard data you know that 's the great thing too is it 's easy to speculate around what consumers want. And we've got the hard data in the Legal Trends Report that gives lawyers that roadmap of what innovation could look like.
0: Yeah. And I do want to talk a little bit about innovation, but Patrick, I know um, before we get to KPIs and some of the data, Patrick, you're still practicing and still have a firm. And I, I find it so fascinating when Jack mentions that, you know, consumers want to touch and feel, right, or see their lawyer versus just talk on the phone or send an email. And how do you find that translating into the practice today as your lawyers are working, Um, and and what's that actual impact? And is there, I'm just gonna ask this, is that an age thing? Do you see a difference between millennials and seniors as you're interacting with them?
3: I don't, but one of the things that, you know, this Legal Trends Report, I think, shows is that, that pain point between what consumers want, consumers say, we want to meet with you all day, every day. We want to talk about our case. We want you to answer all our questions. We want to sit in your office. We're just going to take up a chair next to you and stay there all day to really get what we need. A lot of and, them have
0: been watching Perry Mason, probably have an idea of what's going on in Europe there for the case. And
3: truthfully, we would love to deliver legal services that way, but it's too expensive for us to sit down with our clients all day, every day, face to face, and do all our work that way, right? So we find ways to be more and more efficient and effective to give better services and better results without having to be face-to-face. But right now, between the Legal Trends Report, what lawyers say and what consumers say is a huge friction point, which leads us to this question. If we really are going to provide legal services to people across the country who can't afford it, the answer is not to spend more face-to-face time with our clients. The answer instead is finding the ways to give clients better services they may not even realize or know about exist that doesn't mean face-to-face. And Jack and I were talking about this. You know, the difference between people saying, oh, I must see a movie in a movie theater because that's the way you see movies. And then there's Netflix, and they're like, okay. I hadn't envisioned watching all the movies from home, but I can make my own popcorn. I can come and go, right? I don't." And that's a new way to watch a movie. So it's about finding a new way for people to get to consume legal services in a way that's really good for them but may not necessarily be what they think they need. What's that quote about Henry Ford? Hen- right. Yeah,
1: we, we, Patrick and I were just talking about this, but the, the Henry Ford quote, if I ask consumers what they wanted, they'd tell me faster horses rather than I an love, automobile. I love that. I and love that. and I, I think that's that's the the key thing about the legal trends report is not to take what consumers say they want on, on the surface what, look at the underlying need that that might be but below the surface uh, line, basically, and, and understand the fact that there's the opportunity to innovate. Is there a way that you can more efficiently del- deliver legal services that gives them some of what they're looking for, gives them some of that comfort that they're looking for, and still, you know, innovate and still deliver legal services in a more effective way.
2: And I think if you take Patrick's example a little bit further, like back in the day, we used to get our, you know, the little DVDs came to your house for Netflix. And then it was like, okay, now you can put it on your TV with your smart TV. And then now, I mean, I would have never imagined that I'd be sitting on my phone watching an episode because I'm at the airport and I really want to see how it ends. And I see that Legal Shield is kind of that... That holding your phone, because you can have your law firm in the palm of your hand, you have that mobile access, because ultimately to me, and I took this from this year's Legal Trends Report, people want responsiveness, yeah. and as a client myself, whatever service I'm buying, I just want somebody who's going to respond, so I think it is a little bit of age, but also, I don't care whether I see my lawyer, I just want to know that if I phone, or if whatever. If I reach out, they are going to be there. So I think it's a balance between giving people what they think they want, but then with a twist on it. And I think that's where Legal Shield well, comes I in. I think jump in there a couple things. So what
0: would help all of us, whether it's Legal Shield, whether it's Patrick and his practice or whatever it is, and technology is a little bit of education, you know, consumers, they probably want to see their lawyers because they just don't understand the situation. They, they've been either ignored or haven't responded to, and so they don't know what else to do other than, well, they have to talk to me if I'm sitting right there in front of them, right? So we have to educate them and give them other ways and other opportunities. And another interesting point, um, and I don't know if you've seen this in your Legal Trends report, but we see it some in our data, which is when you give people an opportunity to have preventative or proactive legal services. So that might be a way, when you focus on that, the problem's Are important to the individual, but may not be so grave that it requires they spend a lot of time in your office preparing for court or going through documents because they're talking to lawyers every single day. And so before we jump into data, I mean, how does technology engage lawyers in that process where they can be with their clients regularly, but not necessarily in person where it's time consuming and expensive for the lawyers?
3: Well, that's the trick, right? I mean, that really is the pain point. There's a lot of ways. I mean, one of the things we do in our office, when we take a new client, we say, how would you like us to communicate with you? That's
0: exactly right. I say that's meeting the customer where they are.
3: We'll text, you want to email, can we Skype? We can face to face if we have to, right? Whatever it is, uh, communicate with them in the ways that they like to communicate and give them information the way they want to. Maybe it's sending everything through Clio Connect. It's off the web portal and you, you bury their inbox every morning with information so they have everything there. It's just finding those efficiencies and the KPIs we're, we're talking about is a huge tool to finding the efficiencies to giving better access and better service in new ways and figuring out what's working and what's not.
0: So I'm going to shift a little bit because we've said this word a couple times, KPIs. And I'm going to say I'm a relatively traditional lawyer, uh, You know, came out, went through the large law firm kind of experience. So, I'll be honest, KPIs is not something I'm necessarily familiar with. And to be honest, a lot of the firms we work with at Legal Shield, smaller firms, solos, small practice groups, um, it's probably not something they're familiar with. And so Mary, I know this is something you've done a lot of research, you've published on. So talk a little bit about KPIs for lawyers,
2: the value and what it, first of all, what it is, and then kind of what's the value to a law firm for that. So KPIs and the term is something that comes from outside the law, like net promoter score, which is an example of a KPI. So I know most of the lawyers who are involved with Legal Shield they know about net promoter score and it's something that's used. The whole idea of a KPI, if they're done right, is they're supposed to give you an indication, that's what the I is, Um, a roadmap, a trigger, and it's not at all like measuring your financial statements. A lot of people, they finish their books, they send out their invoices, and it's like, tick, done. So instead, if you looked at it, if you are short on cash in your firm, you might take a look at, okay, how long is it taking me to collect my receivables? Okay. They take 150 days. That's not good because I've got to pay my rent and i got to pay my people every month. So there's a mismatch there. So that type of indicator, it, it's really just a fancy word for saying metric or measures. And the benefit to lawyers is that if you can put yourself in a pattern of regularly checking in, whatever that is, and it's one of those, it depends for your law firm, that's powerful information that you can use to manage your firm so that your firm isn't managing you.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly right. Your firm isn't managing you or your clients aren't managing you. So, and Patrick, we talked a little bit about this earlier, running a mid sized firm. When you look at a KPI, what are the five, six, seven most important KPIs? If you're just new to this space and you're just starting to kind of look at it, what do you think every firm should look at first?
3: You know, it really depends on how you're running your law firm. And a lot firms are gonna have a different set of what they think are key and the way they define key. In, in my firm, it's a contingency firm. So what one firm might think Bill hours is gonna be a huge KPI, it doesn't even come on my radar, right? I think most firms will look at cases in, cases out as being an important KPI revenue one way or the other is one of those things you're going to look at and trend lines on, on revenue and expenses. You know, it, and we talked about in our presentations today, KPIs can come in a number of categories. That might They might be financial. They might be ROI, return on, on marketing and, and marketing. It may be looking at your workflows for attorneys or paralegals and how productive they are. So productivity KPIs. Uh, it may be on your culture, how satisfied your employees are with their work in your firm and how good you're doing it and maintaining them and keeping them happy and not having big turnovers and keeping a retention. I mean, there could be a whole laundry list of KPIs, but each firm is probably going to need to identify what theirs are. And I think that's the genius of both of Mary's books, is it just gives you really a buffet of opportunities to choose from to figure out what you need and what's important to you so that you can run your firm in a way that helps you grow and make money and provide better legal services based on the KPIs that you drill into.
0: So I want to kind of ask all of you, so for the new firm or the firm that's just starting to look at this and think about this, what uh, it, it sounds kind of daunting, right? What's the technology or the services that are available to help a law firm jump into this? Like for the first time, they've never really tracked ROI or marketing or billable hours. So what's some technology and some services that are out there? So that if I wanted to get started in this, what would I do?
1: I might start with thinking about your law firm as a series of inputs and outputs. It is less a technology question and more of a whiteboarding session that I would start with and say, you know, what are the outputs I want to measure as key performance indicators? And those might be obvious outputs like revenue or revenue collected, dollars billed, whatever the case might be. That's essentially an output. Another output might be delivering work product to a, to a client to conclude a matter. Essentially, a case closed might be an output. Then that's one category of KPIs. And then the other category of KPIs would be what, what's on the input side? What am I measuring that is coming into my law firm that I want to track? And that, as Patrick pointed out, could be marketing data. This could be what of what my lead or client acquisition channels are most productive, which are the most pop profitable. What is super interesting is seeing if you can find inputs that essentially become leading indicators of success. So uh, that might be the number of matters that you're opening in a given time frame. It's easy to think about revenue as a key performance indicator, but that's really a side effect of everything else you've done in your law firm. Just saying increased revenue doesn't give you an actionable thing to do within your firm. But saying, find more new cases to open, which is an input, is, is much more actionable. So those are two broad categories of KPIs that you can track. And then I, I think the technology is just whatever helps you measure those things effectively. And effectively, the measurement piece is just counting effectively. What, what systems am I using to count? And uh, that could be a, a whole range of systems. And it depends on your law firm. But you know, a case management system would be an obvious place uh, to start having marketing tracking systems for your marketing ROI. Uh, you know, there's a number of systems you can use, but I think that that whiteboarding session is really the most important one because it, it goes back to that old Peter Drucker quote, what gets measured gets managed. And for many law firms, the starting point is just saying, let's start measuring and putting the systems in place to do that.
2: So. I think you need to take one step back though, which is before you would start that, you need to figure out what are your firm goals. because every firm is different. You might have a firm where you know, you're know, you all by yourself, so your goal is, I've got to make this much money. Yep. And you might have another firm where it's a couple of people, and they're like, you know, we just want to work at this part-time. We're no, not really concerned about the money. And from those goals, you can figure out, okay, what...
1: what yeah, the if, goal is 20 hours a week of work. Exactly. Not so, maximizing revenue. So yeah.
2: it really depends. But then I totally agree that you have to look at it as trying to find those leading indicators as opposed to the lagging ones, because it's too late at the end of the month if you look and you go, oh, so my revenue is like half of what it should be. I like to look at it as dividing up your business into my clients, the cash they bring in, and how I'm going to compensate myself. And and anyone else that's in the firm, and then looking at what are my pain points. And then that's where I always tell people to start, because it's really nice to have a full set of KPIs, but if something isn't a problem, then don't focus on it, because everyone has the limited resources. You're there to practice law. You're not there to be an administrator, unless, of course, that's your job.
3: And Kerry, to your point about technology, it can be very simple. People sometimes get wrapped up and we have to buy some massive program and database and yada, yada, what have you. Simply using Excel is a really easy tool. We're using, in our office, we use uh, Google Sheets. Really inexpensive, really easy way to to capture data, and then you can analyze it any way you want. And Google Sheets makes that super, super easy to do. It's not a high-tech issue, and it doesn't require uh, money to do it.
0: Well, this is uh, something I wanted to kind of ask Patrick you, which is, you know, this is all relatively new, I assume you see some lawyers who are more eager and anxious to adopt these kinds of mindsets, others are probably slower to come to the table. Um, but for those that are getting ready to start, like, what does it mean in their daily life? Like, as Mary said, a lot of them are they're just wanting to work 20 hours a week or they want to make X amount of dollars or whatever their practice might be. What does it mean? Is it like a half a day's work? Is it a week's work? I mean, if I'm if I'm jumping into this and really gonna start Improving my business so I can serve more customers and clients. What does it mean if we're a real life for a real-life practicing person? For most
3: lawyers, it means putting down your pleadings for a few minutes, right? Uh, stop being a lawyer and step into a different position. It gets to be so hard for most people because you know, we get paid by the work that we create. And if you're a small lawyer or a small firm or solo practitioner, there's not time to stop practicing law to go do the luxurious things like worry about these KPI things,
0: right? I know that's what you hear out there.
3: The reality is just the opposite, that unless you put down your practice of law, unless you put stop, doing pleadings, depositions, those things, and dig into your own practice, you'll never find the efficiencies. You'll just work harder and harder and get less and less done. The KPIs unlock the opportunity for everyone to do a lot more work much more, efficient, much more efficiently. So the hardest thing for lawyers to take some time out of their daily grind and turn their attention towards looking at and measuring every aspect of their firm, at least starting at a point and measuring it. Maybe it's looking at your workflow and the productivity of your paralegals or your own workflow and your own productivity, right? Identifying how many cases you open, how many cases you close. It can be very simple metrics that help you trend what's working and what's not in your firm. And when you know what's working, you double down. When you know what's not working, you fix it. But until you measure it, you can't manage it.
1: Yeah. one of the phrases I really like is slowing down to speed up. You know, just it's so counterintuitive for many lawyers to, like, like Patrick said, take the pedal off the take the foot off the gas a little bit on some of the day-to-day, and and take a more strategic view on your firm. But it can pay dividends. It can pay multiple dividends over time if you make that investment. But it's a little bit counterintuitive. You've got to slow down to speed up.
2: So just a step back. When I first got asked to write a book on KPIs, I just jumped in, wrote the book on KPIs and then gave it some thought as I started working with some law firms who were asking me, help me with this. And it really became more about the process. And what I see some people doing, some lawyers doing, is just basically blocking off a half a day a month where they work on a process. And instead of trying to take this on as, I'm going to fix my entire firm or redesign my entire firm, you're just like, okay, let's look at intake or let's look at some little piece of the workflow and figure out, is there a problem? How can we redesign this? And the other piece of it is that if you are lucky enough to have a team, there'll probably be people on your team who are excited to do this because they're able to contribute to a better way of doing things.
3: The good news about this is that more often than not, when you take on a project, when you look at KPIs, it pays for itself. If you look at how you're doing in taking new cases and you can improve that, you may be able to afford having someone come in and do some of the analytics. I was surprised we hired a project manager, took over a lot of the analytics, and now we have even more people coming into, into her team and building that team out. And I'm not paying any more. I'm funding that based on the money I am saving by the efficiencies they created. And the more they create, the more I can do.
0: Yeah, and I, I will say kind of to wrap it up before I ask all of you for your final conclusions and then my final mystery question. But uh, <laughs> it's dun, an exciting dun, dun. time. I know, dun-dun-dun. <laughs> It's an exciting time in the law because, you know, I don't think firms used to be this way. Individual lawyers didn't. And so, you know, where do you see it's going in the future? You know, five years, 10 years from now. So we're talking about data and we're talking about KPIs and we're talking about legal trends. What are we going to be talking about in five or 10 years? And that's not the hard stumper question.
2: (laughs) As we all just sit here looking (laughs) off into... I'm trying to imagine what I'll be doing in five years. I think what we'll see is that people will embrace the idea that you need to run your firm as a business. And as soon as you make that switch, then you will see the importance of KPIs. So I think in five years, it won't be it won't be the three of us talking about this. It will be something that everybody talks about. So we won't be doing this anymore, which will be sad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, we can still do it, but there'll be more people uh, doing it as well. But I think if we think five or t- 10 years out, I, I think the reality is, is that the, the lawyers that dial into this today and start taking advantage of this today are going to have significant competitive advantages in the marketplace over those that don't. And I think there's still going to be 80 to 90% of the legal marketplace that does not clue into this in the next five years. But if you're listening to this and you're, you're getting exposed to this through other channels and you're thinking, hey, there's there's something there. There's something I can take from this and integrate into my law firm it can it can give you really significant competitive advantages. And I think what we'll see in five to 10 years is that there's a small minority of firms that are pulling way ahead and, and just playing at a different level than the average law firm. And I think over the course of many years, we'll start to see that become a competitive pressure that we'll see everyone need to get to that point. But I think I think you could really build a significant advantage for yourself, embracing some of these ideas and adopting them to your firm and figuring out a way of, of delivering your services more efficiently, and of innovating on the client experience side and tapping into that multi-hundred-billion-dollar legal market that's going unaddressed today.
3: I think the one thing I would add to that is, I think the trend line is that as, as we look down the road five or ten years, we're going to find that lawyers only do what lawyers do best, right? Litigate cases, high-end lawyer work. And the whole rest of that pyramid of work that lawyers have been doing in the last 100 years is going to fall away and be put in the hands of automation or AI, you know, the standardization, the workflows, the things that we can hand off to machines or to other people and not to us. And so those firms who know now what they do well and can pull that lever to leverage themselves to do it even better in combination with that trend of, only doing what they do well in law will divide the lawyers very quickly to those who really succeed and grow and those that fall by the wayside because they weren't paying attention to either technology or KPIs or both.
0: And kind of in summation, one of the things that I love about the law, right, is we went to law school to be helpful servants and give back and and to, to do good. And, you know, as the law is evolving, I think you're exactly right that lawyers will actually become more important to be lawyers and to be able to bill and to practice and do the things that only they can do, that they've gone to school for, that they've studied about. And like you said, to leave some of these other parts of the traditional practice of law to people, either paraprofessionals or to technology or other instruments. And in a way that what is a great blessing is for the lawyers is they get to get back to doing what they started out to do in the first place. So I'm looking forward to that. I know that's something that we're really excited about at Legal Shield, we say all the time, you know, We aren't looking at any of these things, whether it's KPIs or technology or innovation, to replace lawyers. In fact, we want to give lawyers the freedom to be able to be lawyers again and to help people because I think that's what we're all out here to do. So so with that, we're about out of time, but I want to ask a question, totally unrelated to KPIs and lawyers and whatnot, um, but you're all bright people and educated. And I said earlier, I'm a a book junkie. I read a lot. So what's the last book you read and and would you recommend it?
3: <laughs> it's a stumper. This is funny because Jack and I were talking earlier. He says, Have you read that book, Good to Great? And I'm like, Have I read that book? Because it's, it's, it's one of my favorite books. I also know it's one of Jack's uh, favorite books, but it also happens to be uh, the last book that I got to the end of. I have like 30 books, and I'm halfway through, and it's hard to drag me all the way to the end of a book. And that was one of them. Uh, yeah, classic. But, and, yeah.
1: and by the way, if any of this any of this resonates with you, and you want to read more, Good to Great is a great, not KPI book, but exactly. a book talking about how continuous improvement on your business and thinking about the flywheel concept, which I think applies very strongly to, to law firms, uh, applies. For me, I, uh, I, like Patrick, have a, a bunch of, of books on the go right now. Uh, two books I finished recently that I really enjoyed were Lone Survivor, uh, you know, is a, a nonfiction tale of uh, a Navy SEAL, if you want a great story of. Endurance and uh, and bravery. That's an incredible read. And the uh, uh, the nonfiction book I read most recently was uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, by uh, Daniel Kuhneman, the uh, uh, famous Nobel laureate in economics, and talks about different modes that you can uh, you think in essentially, and different frames that you can use to uh, to think carefully about problems. So fantastic book, highly recommended.
0: Great. And those are all great suggestions for not only being a lawyer, but one, for reading, and
2: two, for how to kind of elevate your business and increase your business. So, Mary? So, I was just playing with my new phone, trying to find out the title of the book that I just finished. Um, I always have a trashy book or summer read <laughs> book on my Kindle, or at least one, if not two, because I use my Kindle as like an adult soother when I stand in a line and I'm getting all irritated. So, last business book that I read was a, an emotional E, an EQ type book, which I, I can't remember. It wasn't on my Kindle. It was actually in my hand. So I can't remember the exact title of it. It was like an update on the original EQ book. And then I am just about to read Ellen Helderbrand's came out with a new book. So I'm just about to read I've been that. saving
0: that one to take on my vacation in a couple of weeks. Yes.
2: I know that you're a big, a big fan. I've read everything that she's ever written. Um, so good. But then I just read this uh, book. I reread it called The Four Agreements, which is, I made a big shift and I go by that second one, that things that people say are really about them and not about you. And I find that actually is super helpful. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a great
0: book, uh, not only as lawyers, but as, you know, people in personal relationships and for you guys as business entrepreneurs, that's a, that's another great one. So, well, I'm going to wrap up with that. I want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you for participating in Elevate here uh, at our Thanks conference in us. Denver. And Thanks. this has been a lot of fun. And thank for you, anyone who's interested, if you want, do you, you can share out your contact information or people can reach out to us through uh, Legal Shield.
1: Sure. Uh, I'll go first. I'm jack at clio.com. If you'd like to shoot me an email, I'm jack underscore newton on Twitter.
3: And you can find me on Twitter at palace law is my handle or email me at patrick at palacelaw.com. Okay.
2: And I'm at Mary Jetton on Twitter and Jutton's J U E T T
0: E N. And I recommend everyone follow the three of them. I do. Um, and it fills my Twitter feed with all kinds of great information uh, every day. So I appreciate it. And with that, thank you all so much. And for our listeners,